this morning, God, we praise you. God, we think that nothing can separate us from your love, God. Can you put your hands together with us? There you go. We worship you this morning, Jesus. Come on, this next song talks about how much his great love is for us, that nothing can separate us, nothing can fail us. But his love remains. Come on, help us sing this this morning. Nothing, nothing can separate even if I ran away, your love never fails. I know I still make mistakes. Ready? I know I still make mistakes. You have the mercy for me every day. Your love never fails. Come on, say you stay the same. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in. I know that you love me, your love never fails. Yes, Lord, your love never fails, God. We thank you for your awesome love this morning. Come on, keep those hands raised like those hands clapping. Let's sing that again. Nothing, nothing can separate. Even if I ran away, your love never fails. Oh, we believe that this morning. No, I still make mistakes. You have your mercy for me every day. Your love never fails. Oh, say so you stay the same. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. But maybe pain in the night, the joy comes in the morning. And when, and when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you love me. Come on, you say the same, sing it, I'll say. You say the same through the ages. Because your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when, and when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you love me. Your love never fades. You make all things work together for my good. Say that you make, you make all things work together for my good. Cause you make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. Come on, sing them one more time. You make all things work together for my good. You stay the same, cause you stay the same through the ages. Your love, your love never changes. You make it rain in the night, joy comes in the morning. And when, and when the ocean rage, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you love me. Just one more time, you stay the same. Cause you stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. It may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, 
the word says if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled. Is there anyone hungry this morning? Is there anyone hungry for the things of God? Come on in worship is our time to get filled. Right now is your time to get filled. So let's raise our hands. Let's get our, let's get our hands raised right now and let's get filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, we believe in the power of the Pentecost. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. Now's your time to get filled. Get filled this morning. Come on, Jesus, let us see you, God. We want to see you. We want to feel you in this place, God. In Jesus' name, God, Holy Ghost, take control. Take control in this room, God. Unveil our eyes to see you. Unveil our eyes to see you, God. We open our hearts, Jesus, to you this morning. Come on, just tell them, God, I'm hungry for you. Fill me, God. I'm hungry for you. Come on, say that out loud. Say that out loud to Jesus. Say, God, I'm hungry. Come fill me in the name of Jesus. Come on, dry hearts are being filled right now. Dry hearts are being refreshed in his presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's all that you need this morning. He's all that you need this morning. Hallelujah. Fill this place with your presence. Fill this place with your presence. Fill this place with your presence, God. Come on, let's keep talking to him. Let's keep engaging our hearts with him this morning. We're hungry and thirsty for you. Fill us up, God. Fill us up, Jesus. I'll say that again. Say, wind of God. to just close their eyes with me right now. I know some people are coming in even now, but let's not get distracted from what the Holy Ghost is doing in this place. Let me encourage you that, man, when two or more are gathered in his presence, he is here. We don't have to sing this a hundred times to remind ourselves. We know we can stand on faith in the word of God that he is here. So let me encourage you, man, if you're not feeling the goosebumps, we haven't come to feel good about who we are. We came to declare who God is. We came to give praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it's his grace that he comes. And it's because of his faithfulness that he comes. It's because of his goodness that he lets us feel him. Oh, God, we don't deserve anything, God. We just thank you, God, that you love us. We thank you that you come and you fill us with your presence, God. 
So as you close your eyes right now, let's just get the distractions away. Let's get the week, the work week out of our minds. Let's get the things that you're going to walk into as you leave this church out of our minds right now. And let's focus on the thing that matters. Let's focus on the thing that matters. There's a story in the Bible of Mary and Martha. And I want to encourage you this morning that you've come. And what right now is you're closing your eyes and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to work on your heart. That you've chose the better thing. And the better thing is to be at his feet. Come on, if you just want to focus on what matters this morning, you want to be at the foot of Jesus, I want to open up these altars to you right now. Because it's not about the music. It's really not about how great we sound or how horrible we sound. But it's about the presence of God. So let me invite you to come and seek out the better thing this morning. And that's the presence of God. Come. Come, come. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to start speaking in tongues. We believe in the book of Acts in this church. We believe that the Holy Spirit is here and working right now. Freedom and liberty. Come on, I I open up this time for freedom and liberty in worship right now. Freedom and liberty to praise Him.
us up, God. I want you just to stay in this attitude of prayer. I feel Jesus here. I know many of you do. I'm just going to sing one more song with you today. I'm going to ask Rachel to lead it up. Break these chains. Chains be broken. Because I feel in my spirit today that so many of you want to start this new year with chains broken off of your life. You want to step out of the past into the future. And it doesn't have to be just something big like, oh, I'm going to get rid of drinking, smoking. It may be big for some like that. But I'm just talking even for others, attitudes, depression, anxiety, fears, letting things hold you back in 2011. It is time right now to go to another level. Would you take this opportunity of this next song as we sing it out? Chains be broken. And if you just want to come even where you are from the from your chairs to the altar and just sing it out. Chains be broken over my life this year. It's a new year. I refuse to let the devil hold me back. In Jesus' name. Come on. Eyes be open. Jesus. Hallelujah. Chains be broken. Doesn't matter, chains be broken, lives be healed, and eyes be opened. Hallelujah! Thank you, God. Come on, just one more time. Chains be broken. Declare it over your life, over your family today. In Jesus' name, Hallelujah. Lives be. Every broken heart be healed in the presence of God. Come on. Amen. Let's sing the verse out together today as a declaration of our faith. I have decided to wait upon the Lord. Come on, somebody. My rock, my redeemer, my shield and reward. Surely as the sun will rise, you will come to us. Come on, do you believe to you believe it? 2012, baby. Come on, it's time. Yes, God, come, Jesus. As you respond to us, oh Spirit, pray to our thirsty hearts again. You come, you come. Say it again, chains be broken. You ready? Come on, let's sing it out. Chains be broken. Every chain be broken. Chains be broken. Lives be healed in Jesus' name. Lives be healed. From the hurt and pain. Jesus, come. You're going to see it the way God wants you to see it this year. 
Come on, one more time, would you shout it out with victory today? It's okay to get excited in church. In the name of Jesus. Oh, yes, God. And eyes be open. Christ is revealed. Come on now, just the piano and the voices. You will come. Come on, just sing it as a prayer one more time. Come, let your glory fall as you If you believe it, will you shout to the Lord today a shout of victory? Hallelujah. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise today. Hallelujah. Jesus. Lord, we thank you today that in this place, God, lives are changed. Lives are healed, God. Chains are broken, oh God. This year, God, We're going to another level with you, God. Lord, I pray for every person here that you will bless them, God, this year more than you ever have before. Let them grow closer to you, God. Let us all know you in ways we've never have. Would you do me a favor, just in an attitude of prayer, 30 seconds, would you thank the Lord for three things he did in 2011? Would you just be grateful today? Would you just say thank you, gracias, Señor, for what you have already done? Come on right now. I just thank you, Jesus, for my family, God, for the health of my children, Lord, for providing, God, for me every day. Oh, Lord, for this ministry, God, that continues to grow, the lives that are changed. And now would you just begin to think of three things. Use your imagination that you want to receive this year in Jesus' name. And just begin to ask it in His name. Say, Lord, I'm asking. I'm asking. Come on, use your imagination, God. I'm asking, God, for my family to be saved. Increase, Lord. Ask Him right now. Use your faith for three things in 2012. His promises are yes and amen in Jesus today. He wants us to dream big dreams. Oh God, it's time. Now is the time, God. Lord, we ask you even for the rest of this service as we celebrate 2011, what you've done in Metro Praise, as we learn about how we can grow with you this year. I pray, God, that we will go deeper in you, God. Grow deeper than we ever have. Bless our families. God, I pray particularly for my family. My sister lost her dad. Uh, God, uh, my mother's first marriage, God, and she is mourning the loss of her dad. Today, I ask you to be with her.
For others here today who are going through hardships, would you strengthen them, God? Bless them today, even those that couldn't make it. Maybe they're joining us by webcast. Pour out your grace and mercy in Jesus' name. Can everybody say a big amen today? Praise God. Can you put your hands together for Jesus? Come on, I want you to stay on your feet right now. Find five people. Tell them you love them. Shake their hand. Hug them. Lie if you have to. No, I'm kidding. As we pray this welcome video, would you shake somebody's hand? Welcome to Metro Praise. Come on, shake somebody's hand. Stay on your feet. The party's just getting started. Come on, DJ. Would you bump it a little bit for me today? Amen. Would you find your way back to your seat if you can, please? So awesome to be in Metro Praise. Okay, we're going to get a little chant going. Where is our drummer? Our drummer just took off. You ain't done yet. Let's give it up for Ishmael as he comes. We are going to get a little chant. If y'all don't know this, it goes, Metro Praise, we praise in his name. Come on. Come on. All right, we're going to yeah, drop it like it's hot, like we ain't never had it dropped in church. But you, might, you know what? I think we're going to have to go for the dance beat on this one. No, the dance. The dance tra- no, the dance kit. The dance kit and then the dance, the dance beat. There it is. Okay. Metro praise. We praise his name. Come on. Come on. Metro praise. Oh, hold on. Stop. Stop. I got to just stop laughing. 
half of y'all think I'm crazy. And I'm just like, did y'all figure that out right now? I feel bad for you. You should have known that before because I am crazy. Okay. And we're going to do this again. Now, you can clap like this, or you can pump the fist. And if you can't keep up with the Metro Praise, we praise in this name, then just do the come on, come on. Okay, ready? One, two, three, now. Metro Praise, we praise this name. Come on, come on. Metro Praise, we praise this name. Come on, one more time. Come on, come on. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. We some crazy folks for Jesus. Amen. We welcome you to our second service at 11 a.m. Praise the Lord. Uh, every week we have service at 9 and 11. If you're joining with us for the first time, we have a visitor booth in the back where Ricardo's back there right now. We got plenty of information to tell you about our church. We just love God and we're happy you're here starting the new year with us. We also have Wednesday encounter nights at 7 o'clock. It's a time where we get together during the week, pray, seek God. And we also have programs for the children, Royal Rangers, Impact. And then what's cool about the Metro is that the last Wednesday of every month, something great comes on to uh, Wednesday. We call it Family Night. And uh, this Wednesday, we're, uh, last Wednesday of the month, the 25th, we're going to do an ice cream social. Everybody go, ooh. So, yes, it's going to be cold in the middle of winter, freezing, but you're going to come and have ice cream. That's why we do stuff like this, because we just want to have fun. And then we're going to play the movie Courageous here on the big screen. And then we got games in the back, the Wii, and all types of stuff. So we want you to come on out for the last uh, Wednesday of the month. And then every Wednesday is Encounter Night. And then Elevate. Come on, Elevators Youth Group every Friday at 7.30. Come on, give a hand clap. Hand clap, hand clap, hand clap. Thank you. So Elevate every Friday at 7.30. You guys just keep coming out, bringing your friends. This year is going to be off the chain, starting school clubs right now. God is moving. So we're just inviting you out to all the good things God is doing. Here's something I am super pumped about, the winter retreat. Can you all make some noise for the winter retreat? Come on, baby. Now, I got a special message from Glenn Boom Boom Badonsky. So, brother in the back, will you do me a favor and get the YouTube video ready? Now, as we get this ready, let me just tell you what we're doing here. Okay? We're going to meet here the 20th in the morning, Friday, around 7 in the morning. We're going to drive an hour to Lake Geneva. We have a church facility that they're letting us use out there. Awesome, humongous pool tables, cafe, chill, gymnasium. You guys are going to love it. Then Boom Boom Badonsky is going to bring the Boom Boom. Everybody say Sheikaboomba. He's going to bring the Boom Boom, just the Holy Ghost explosion. Then we're going to have the hotel, and then they, we get there in time to still go swimming and all that. So everybody say, after party. Say, so then we go to the after party, and then Saturday morning we do it all again and come back Saturday afternoon. Okay, so please don't have me catch a kidnapping charge to bring you there. Come on your own. Amen. I got kids. Everybody, I'm serious. Y'all don't think I'm serious. Don't have me catch a kidnapping charge. I want every one of you to be there. I want to have over 150. Boom Boom Badonsky wants you there. Would you play this video from Boom Boom Badonsky, please? Let's put it up a little bit too, JJ. We play it. Get them hyped. Uh, this is the sanctified version of this song, by the way. I'm Holy Ghosted, and you know it. Hey, everybody. It's Brother Glenn. I'm coming at you in this video, and I'm telling you, I'm so excited. I put on my Sherlock Holmes hat, and I'm looking for clues, clues about what the Lord's going to do in 2012, and I can't wait to share them with you. They're at the winter retreat for Metro Praise, so get registered. There's only a little bit of time left, and so we want to make sure that everybody gets a place, and uh, we want you to come and... You know, there's some things that you just can't 
sit at home or listen on to a message or watch a video of. You've really got to come in and be a part of it. And this is one of the best ways to start off your January 2012 and the beginning of the year and just say, Lord, I want you to get a hold of my life. So I'm inviting you to get registered and I'm inviting you to bring two pairs of shoes, one for shouting and one for stomping and taking back what the devil stole from you. So come on and get ready. And we really look forward to being there with you. God bless you. Come on, everybody, make some noise for the winter retreat. Okay, this is really awesome. I want you to go to Facebook for me, please, Ellie. How many of you have already got blasted on Facebook by the invitation to this retreat? Okay, so we're doing our job. We want to just blast everybody. We want to get the word out. Now, let me tell you why. This is not like just come to church and do something cool. This is going to change people's lives. That's really why we're doing this. I mean, it's a powerful weekend alone with God. I mean, you know how you sit at the table and you, you eat food during the holidays and then somebody brings out the dessert and you're like, no, I'm good, I'm cutting back, and you're full? Is there anybody here that can say that about God? Like, man, I don't need a weekend alone with God. Oh, man, I'm full, doing good, trying to cut back on that Jesus stuff. I'm God enough. Thank you. My friends, we all need more of the Lord. Every church has this thing they do at the beginning of the year. Some churches go on 21-day fast. How many are happy we're not doing that this year? Amen. Somebody, some of you all like fast and praise God. That's good. But this is what we're doing at the beginning of the year. We are going on a retreat to set and order our lives and get roasted and toasted in Jesus' name. And this is powerful. So I want you to invite your friends. Here it is, Facebook, right here. You just type it in your search engine, Winter uh, Metro Praise Winter Retreat. It will come up. And then if you can go here, click going if you're going. My goal is to get 100 on Facebook because I know we're going to get well more than that attending. But I want to spread the word. And then if you could find these invitations, it's simple. Uh, just go up here where your, your thing is where it says going. You're going to click going. And then go right next to that to the right, right there and click down. It can say share event. I want you to share event with all your friends. Amen. And then if you go to uh, my page, um, Ellie, please, you can see I got a big banner promoting this, and I'm just asking that we would do this. There's not many times that I ask you to do this. We're not asking you for every event we do at Metro Praise, but because this is so special and we've seen lives change, maybe copy and paste that to your banner so people can know, like, hey, man, this is going to be powerful. Amen? Okay, that wasn't a good amen. We just need to try this again. Now, this is a retreat. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be powerful. We want you to come, and it's going to be good for your life. Amen? All right, thank you for that. I feel so secure now about this retreat. I feel awesome. Now, uh, Boom Boom Badonsky is going to come. It's going to be $50 for covering the cost. But here's the deal. If you don't have 50 shekels, it is F-R-E-E free. Everybody say free. If you can't afford it, I want you to come, and that's in order. Amen? Okay, we want you to be there. This is our vision at Metro Praise, loving God, loving people. We've been doing it for seven years. Come this March, seven years as a church. We want to invite you to join the vision. Today I'm going to be speaking about this, and I'll share with you more. But our vision is to love God and to love people. And our strategy is to connect you to the cross through a life group, mentor you and disciple you, and then to send you out to change the world. And our life groups are meeting seven times for adults for the week and three for the youth. Does anybody get excited about life groups in the house? 
Okay, come on. And this is what Metro Praise is about this year, and I want you to be a part of it. And I'm going to tell you all about it today because that's actually what our message is going to be on. But I want to share with you right now our end, our year in review today with you, give you all the details because last week we didn't do it. We had to get all the details ready, and now we're going to talk about it, okay? So I'm just going to grab a seat. Uh, If you're joining with us, this is like the first time. This is the best time to be here. You know why? Because you get to see all the cool things we did in 2011. All right. Now, normally what we do is we start off with uh, the report of what happened in December. So I'm going to give you guys the December report right here. Uh, If you could put it back there for me, please. The December report is going to come up after it does this. And we brought in a lot of money and we spent a lot of money. I'm kind of stalling for us here. And the bottom line is we are in the plus $1,000 this month. Can we just give the Lord a hand clap for being in the plus $1,000? Okay, this is where technology makes me feel awkward and embarrassed in church. Okay, you're going to get that report up there for me, aren't you, good sir? Okay, when he gets that report up there, you're going to see that we set a goal for it. Oh, there it is. Everybody give it up for Ellie in the back. It's like, you're not sweating as much as I am. That's okay. Okay, so we brought in $13,416.17 for the general tithes and offerings. Building $2,534. Missions $1,380.60 for a total $17,330.77. So we were plus $1,160.01. Can we just clap it up for Jesus paying the bills? Amen. Thank you. Every penny counts. See, there it is. Every, every penny counts. So what we did last year is we said we need to, you know, to, to make sure our bills get paid every month. And we had a three-month uh, giving campaign towards the end to ask everybody to help us on a pledge. And so that's what it turned out to be. And I wanted to show you that. Now, here is the entire year in review. And uh, after today, I'm going to put it up on a blog. You could send it to all your friends on Facebook and be like, hey, this is what my church is doing. Okay. So I've compared it from 2000. 2010 to 2011, okay? In 2010, our general, that's normal tithes and offerings, we brought in $156,134.34. But this year, uh, the past year, 2011, we brought in $175,934.24. That's a 12.6% increase. Somebody say amen. Amen. For building, $41,064.31 in 2010. 2011 was $47,455.57. And that was a 15% increase. Amen. Missions, $21,225.21. You're going to be like, all that church does is talk about money. I'm sorry you came on the day where all we do is talk about money. I apologize for that. But uh, by the way, don't we need money in the church? Amen. Okay. I'm. You know, these light bills have to be paid and all of this, so hopefully this gets somebody excited. How about missions? $21,225.21 went up to $27,472.02. Dude, that is a 29% increase. Praise God for missions. Elevate Youth Group, man, they were doing it off the allowances, off the mowing and the lawn tithe. Come on, they worked hard. $833.90 to $888.01, 6% increase. And then if you all remember the discussion about missions with Adam and Elevate last year, man, they were down. They, they dropped down a little bit. So we're like, come on, Elevators, you got to bring it up. I mean, listen to the name, Elevator, amen. Everybody go, Elevator, and like, bing. Okay, you've arrived, all right? Here we go. Went from $213.95 to $351.66. That was a 64% increase. Come on, elevators, give it up. 
The first Friday of every month they give to mission. That's how awesome they are. So a total, last year we brought in $219,471.75. This year, $252,102.01. Up 14.87%. Even in the midst of recession, take that devil. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise God. Come on. Man, we will take a licking and keep on ticking in this church. Amen. You know, sometimes people are like, well, somebody left the church. Let me tell you something, baby. People leave the bus all the time, but the bus keeps going. Amen. People get off the train all the time, but choo-choo, it keeps going. We started this church seven years ago with this many, and now we have this many. God is moving. Amen. And even if we didn't increase this much, I would still be happy serving God. But you know that for seven straight years, we are increasing in all ways. Every single year. If you want to know where those shekels went, I'm going to show you right here. And at any time you want a detailed uh, in, uh, account information, we always have that available for you. Berto in the back, would you raise your hands, please? He'll get you in touch with Joe, the accountant, and we will print off for you all the details you want from my salary to what we spend on the, the vehicles. Everything is an open book here. But just to summarize, here's where it went. Irving Park Campus, where you are today, had over 400 visitors for Easter. It was closer to 500, but that was our peak service. And then at that time, we went to two services. And guess what? They're looking pretty full right about now. Amen? And our goal is going to be to pack them out as the year goes by. Uh, we started a new Wicker Park Campus. Uh, would you please put up the blog for this? Uh, last week, we had our first service. It's a 5 p.m. service on Ashland and North. And it is going awesome. We have about 20 people showing up. We've got a cute little storefront. There's the sign. Feel free to go ah, at any time. Okay. Well, that's a good place right there. See, doesn't that look cute? Got the emblem there, the chairs. Come on, keep on going, please. The cafe. Uh, Julie Valkanet put up her art. Let's give it up for Julie Valkanet. Hey. Have a little info table there, same picture, same brand. And then in the back, we've got a place called the living room. It's where the children go on Sundays like today. And then when uh, any other time it's open, the youth are out there hanging out doing their thing. And go on down so they can see the service times. We're not asking anybody here to try to go over there and do five different things a day. But we're meeting the need of another community. Amen. And so you're more than welcome to visit, but uh, we're trying to get a new group of people over there. And so we have a 5 o'clock main service, started last week, uh, Tuesday Bible studies there at the church at 7 o'clock, and then Friday youth group there at 7.30. And they're starting with about a handful, about five or six young people, more than what Nancy and I started with, and they're doing great out there. So I want to thank you for helping us start that campus in 2011. Can we say amen? Amen. Thank you so much. And as we continue to go back on uh, over this list, you'll see that everything we did is for the kingdom of God. You know, not everybody can be an astronaut, a pilot. Uh, not everybody can be on TV for sports. But you know how we can all make a difference in life is through the kingdom of God. And let me share this with you. This is not some cheap little thing that pastors say to get you to, to give more. Let me just say this to you. When Steve Jobs hit eternity, when he left this world and went to the world for eternity, he found out what really mattered. The Bible says if he was not saved, that means if he did not know the Lord, he's in a place of eternal torment right now forevermore. When judgment day comes, he'll be condemned as a sinner. His sins will be brought forward. Now listen to this point. The Bible says, Psalms 1, he will be remembered no more. No one for all of eternity, all of eternity will ever remember an Apple product, will never remember his name, will never remember one thing he ever did for charity. All of his works will perish alongside of him. 
but in heaven and then upon the new earth, we will tell the stories of what we did upon this earth for Jesus Christ. Souls and rewards will be like gems on our crowns to show that what we did for the Lord here will be the talk of what we talk about in heaven. And for all of eternity, we will give glory to God for what he did through us in this 70, 80 years we were here. So what you do here counts for eternity, my friends. And if you put anything before that, if you put this earthly kingdom before God, the Bible says it's going to go up like smoke, or like a flower of the field. It'll be here today, gone tomorrow. Amen? Just a reality check to help us stay focused on why we do what we do. Uh, We purchased the new camera in the back, staging, lights, all the new things at Wicker Park. Outreaches. We did four festivals. It's more like seven when we counted them. We went to Bodequa Fest. We did Taste of Chicago. We did a Rib Fest. We did Gay Pride Fest. We did Islamic Fest. We did the Reese Park Fest. Over seven festivals preaching the Word of God. We uh, took our youth on a mission trip to New Orleans. And even though we go every week to the west side, Ohio Park, for the last six years we've been doing it, we spent a whole week this summer just loving on those young people. And let me just share this with you right here. Ten life groups each have an hour of evangelism before their life group every week. So that's ten hours, ten events of evangelism. Our Saturday evangelism has an hour closer to Wednesday before the service has another hour and then the youth go to two hours on two different days Thursdays and Fridays there is over 15 hours of outreach 15 times a week in this church we do more outreach in one week in this church than most do in the entire year can you say amen I'm not saying we're the only one but you need to be proud of what your church does how about this the revolution what we're doing around the world do you know that we have our books translated in four different languages, soon to be five, that they use our book in these countries. So New Delhi, India, we have 40 Metro Praises. They use the book. They call themselves Metro Praise. I go over That's going to be my fourth time this year. Watch the video from my third trip. It's on the website right now. There's 40 Metro Praises with 20 pastors. VJ Awada, 65 churches with 40 pastors. Pakistan, 74 pastors, uh, 75 churches with 40 pastors. Nigeria, 5 churches, 5 pastors. Nepal, 15 churches, 15 pastors. Over 200 churches churches and 120 pastors can you say amen to that amen would you do me a favor just while i'm talking here go to the website let's just show them a little bit here because we never want to forget why we're here what we do here counts for over there about five years ago we started investing in other nations that began to multiply so quick you know why because the need is so great People ask me all the time, you mean this church, you do that, your books do that. You know why we do all that? Because we're the little boy with the two fishes and five loaves. We've just said, Jesus, we don't have a lot, but we're crazy enough to give it all up to you to do a miracle. We don't have a lot, but we'll travel over there. Go to Irving Park. This would be your campus. Show you how to use the website. Now go to Revolution if you want to see. This is what we call. And then go down to Metro Praise Churches. Go all the way down, and then it will say Southeast Asia. And this was our last trip right here. And just scroll down a little bit and turn down the volume. But I want them to watch the video, please, just as I talk a little bit about missions, because I want you to hear my heart for this. If Metro Praise here falls or doesn't succeed, then they don't succeed there. They are connected to us. So as Metro Praise Chicago goes, is as these five different location goes. We have two locations in India, one in Nepal, Nigeria, and Pakistan. When we travel to these places, and I go every year, there is such a need 
that I can't even put to you in words of what needs to be done out there and how humble they are to let us help them. They teach our books. In one language, our name, Metro Praise, means Sutnipatnam. It's Sutnipatnam in the Tagalog language. And when we show up in these places like New Delhi, I mean, you can't even compare to an inner city or to a place that we have here in Chicago. But what they'll do is they'll show up and they'll begin to come and we'll begin to preach to them the word of God. And my friends, this year in 2011, you helped us double our mission efforts. I just wanted to take a time to realize this is one of our apostles. He's over 40 churches. You're going to see the pastors. When I say these numbers to you every week, I don't want you to just think they're numbers. They are people. Those are your pastors. These are brothers and sisters. If you went there today, they would say, welcome to Metro Praise. Welcome to Sutney Putnam, where we love God and love people. Can we take you through a discipleship book here in your language? Can somebody say amen? Hey, must bless the Lord for the, what God is doing overseas. Never want to get tired of that. And let's keep going. Let's look at the year in review. As we keep looking at the list of what God has done, let's remember it's a group effort, not an individual. Uh, thank you. Here we go. Elders and deacons. Now in our church, we believe in leadership. There are 11 elders and 14 deacons. That's 25 in leadership. And then 44 in this church are in the 101 class right now. That's our discipleship. 44 people are in that. And 25 people are in our 201 for a total of 69. When you put the elders and deacons together, that is 94 disciples in this church, more than we've ever had before. Can we say amen to that? Amen. I'm sorry if I'm boring you today talking about what God has done. I hope that this is your passion as well. Here's goals for 2012. Irving Campus, let's go to 200 disciples. Can I give you a little hint today? Guess how many people have walked through these doors already, you included? 200? So all we need is those of you who are here right now is to do the book. Whoop, there came an answer to prayer. Come on, look at your neighbor and go, whoop, there it is. Come on, whoop, there it is. So if y'all would just, we don't even have to go get new people. If just the people here would do it, we would reach our goal because half are doing it right now. That's why we're at 94. Wicker Park Campus, we want 50. We only got about five there. But isn't this cool? Since September, we started Wicker Park. There's already five. So some of you have been coming longer from September. What are you waiting for? They're already started. So let's get going. And we want them to be self-supporting because we put a lot of shekels into helping them start. Of uh, the revolution missions, I want to believe, God, we can get to 50,000 this year. Why? Because of everything that I was telling you about. They need more buildings. They need more books. They need all of those things. And, and I want to double our efforts. Contributions, how about we go for a half a million this year? You might be saying, I, I don't know if we can do it. Let's go back to the disciple thing. If the other half of you would give and help out, we would be at a half a million right now. Come on, somebody, say amen. I ain't saying amen. I'll say amen for you. Amen. Yeah, we reached a quarter of a million, 250,000 with about half of you giving. I don't have names and records. I'm just assuming because when I talk to a lot of you, are like, man, I'm trying, Pastor, I'm trying. Listen, be obedient to God. I know it's tough. I know it's a recession. The Bible calls them droughts. We've gone through droughts before, my friends. Guess what we do in droughts? We serve God. We serve God. It doesn't matter if you have 10 chickens, you give Jesus a chicken. If you have $10, you give Jesus a dollar. If you have 10, you give Jesus a 10. That's what he commanded. Amen. Guess, guess who gives tithes and offerings? 
India gives tithes and offerings. Would you like to live in a hut with a dirt floor and eat with your hands and use the bathroom with your hands and be like that? That's how impoverished the nation is. But guess what they do on Sundays? They give tithes, and they do it joyfully because it's not about the amount of money you have. It's about being obedient to God. And if you're saying, Pastor, I can't afford it with all the things that I have, well, then stop having all of those things that you can't afford it. Oh, God, I didn't get an amen there. I said, stop having all those things that you can't afford it. There was a time when every house didn't have three cars. There was a time when every child didn't have a bedroom. My dad showed me the house that he grew up in. He said, we all shared one bathroom. He said, my mom and dad slept in a full-size bed together. My friends, we've been spoiled over the years. Do you know that over Christmas season, you know how much Americans spent? Can I tell you, the, the recession America, how much Americans spent? Over $426 billion. Modern Warfare 3, a video game, broke every record in its opening week. Sold over a billion dollars worth of merchandise. Modern Warfare 3. Our culture right now. Let's believe God for great things. Amen. SUM graduates, if you're an SUM student in here right now, would you stand up for us, please? Uh, We want to thank you. These SUM students are about ready to graduate this year. Can we give them a hand clap in Jesus' name? Amen. SUM students, keep standing. I want to talk to you for a minute. Some of you don't know this, but we have a fully accredited Bible college that uses this church as an extension site. What that means is fully accredited classes are happening here. FAFSA, Federal Grants and Loans are coming to the students to take these classes. Fully accredited, transferable to any university across the country. It's one of the best schools right now. It's growing so fast. It's called the School of Urban Missions. I graduated from it, and now they're fixing to graduate. But listen to me. They've been in it for three years. They've been working part-time jobs like any other college student, but they've been giving to the church. Do you know why I want that to increase, that 500000 Because I think it's time this year that we start giving these these graduates some part-time staffing and start giving them a thousand a month and start helping them to our church can be staffed with pastors. I don't know if you've ever been to a church with pastors on staff. How about we be one of those this year? It's taken us seven years. I'm not complaining, but I think it's time because so many of them will give 30 to 40 hours a week in this church plus their schoolwork, and try to hold a part-time job. And try to get a good part-time job when you tell the guy, I can't work on Sundays, Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but I can only work these hours. It's very difficult for SUM students to do that because they're required to go to school and give ministry hours. So my goal this year with those shekels is to help get them on staff, to pay our youth pastor, to pay our administrator, because they've earned it with a Bachelor's of Arts degree this year in Biblical Studies. We're graduating 12. Can we say Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, students. That's about as much gratitude as you're getting today. It's time to get back to work. No, I'm kidding. And we're going to recruit 14 more for the fall because we we believe that there's about 14 students. We've talked to many of you, and we want to help you get ready for a total of 15. It takes us about three years to redevelop the class, but they can start at any time. We want all ministries to grow and new staff. Life groups doubled last year. We hope they double again this year with 14 adults, six youth life groups for a total of 20. If you believe we can do all of this in Jesus' name, would you stand to your feet and just bless the Lord this morning? Let's believe God to do great things. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you stay standing as we prepare to receive our tithes and offerings today? As we get ready to receive our tithes and offerings, you have a pledge card that's been given to you. If you have it, would you just uh, 
Would you just wave it at me right now if you haven't? Okay. If you don't, we're going to make sure you get one. Would you just stand up? We're going to stretch you out here a little bit. We're going to ask you this year to help us start the beginning of the year a capital giving campaign. We're going to ask you to believe with us. Now, those of you who are new, you talk to people who have come here. We never talk about money more than about five minutes. I had to give the report, but listen to me. It's very important for all of us that call this their church. We want you to commit with us this year so we can grow and increase. Right now, they say unemployment, 8% is the lowest it's been in three years, and they're hoping that the, uh, the spending over you know, the holiday season will kick us out of this recession. Either way, my friends, we need to be faithful to what God has asked us to do. Would you look at the pledge seat? We are a blessing, or we are blessed to be a blessing. Metro Praise is solely supported by your sacrificial tithes and offerings. What is a tithe? Very briefly, a tithe is that 10% we believe the Bible teaches we give back to God. Everybody should be a giver of a tithe. What's an offering? After you've offered your tithe to the Lord, you got 90%, and you can say to God, Lord, what should I do with this? Well, at this time, Metro Praise needs your generous help. Here's what we're asking Irving Park to do. Clear past debt from 2011. We still have debt on some of our computers and some of the staging. It's about 11000 in total, and I believe this year we can knock it out as we did the camera last year. Amen? Provide for growth. Right now, there are so many things that need to be updated and fixed. Uh, this stair right here this week, we're going to put a wooden trim right here because people's feet, you know, unintentionally, but kind of uh, take out the seams there. Uh, our signs that were put at the church were temporary. You can hardly see them. We need to put full window signs so that people can find us easier. We need the chairs in the back. They're plastic uh, chairs that, you know, fold. It's not comfortable to sit on for a while. We want to update that as well. Our children's TV is about this big, and it rolls around on a big squeaky cart. We just want to mount something to the wall and let these children enjoy the time that they have. I could be here all day, not to burden you with details, but we need to put about 9000 into our efforts. And then 5000 for van repairs. We have two vans that pick up people every week for church, free of charge. That's what we do. Guess what? One of the lights are busted out, mufflers hanging off the other. We need new tires put on them. These are things that if we don't do, like if you don't fix a vehicle, what, what happens? You don't drive it. And so if we don't fix our vehicle, it's not drove. We don't get to pick people up. It comes out to be $25,000. So this is what I'm asking us at the beginning of the year, that your generosity and sacrificial giving would allow us to operate without budget cuts and live debt-free. Therefore, would you please consider being a giving partner and to pledge until March. That means all of January, February, and March. And guess what, my friends? I believe during those three months, God can do more through us than we ever thought he could do for us. I'm going to say it again. I believe God can do through us more than we ever thought he would do for us. So many times, what do we just pray? God, bless our four, no more. Bless me with a job that I can pay my bills. When was the last time you said, God, bless me with a job that I can help your kingdom grow in this city? God, bless me with an increase that I can help the transportation pick up those kids that come here on Wednesday. Do you know that on Wednesdays, now we pick up all of the, uh, the west side to come here from the, uh, the ministry we have in Ohio Park? About 15 kids come on those, those, those buses. How, how shameful would it be if we can't afford to keep doing that? Amen? Come on, somebody say amen. If you want to say, oh, me, it's too late now. You showed up this morning. Come on. Now, here's the thing. There is no place to put your name 
and there's no place to put your social security number. And guess what? We don't even want you to hand it in. This is something we want you to keep. I want you to be honest this week and begin to pray and say, will you be a faithful tither? Let's say for my wife and I, I'm a Bible college professor. Uh, that's where I make the money. The church doesn't give me money. It comes from the Bible college so that all the monies can go here. Just to give you an idea, we don't want to bog you down with expenses. What does it cost to rent this building? 8000 a month. You know how many electric bills we have for this building? Four. You know how many gas bills we have? Two. You know how much it costs us in gas just to operate those vehicles? 1200 a week. You know how much Internet costs in this place? $230. How many know I know the bills? Amen? Because I'm writing the checks every week. I want you to be a faithful tither. God said to do it. My wife and I make about 26000 That's about it. So what do I give to the Lord every year? About 2600 If your end-of-the-year giving report doesn't match what you made this year, you need to give back to the Lord some extra right now. I say tax season is the time to make it right. It's like, oh, mama getting a new dress. Okay, mama going to get a new dress and remain, remain under the curse of Malachi 3. Mama need to get blessed and come under the blessing of Malachi 3, amen? Because the Bible says, will a man rob God, but yet you have robbed me. You ask, how have I robbed you? In tithes and offerings. I'm so glad I got a good church. Will you just say amen into this microphone a whole bunch of times? Amen, amen. Amen. Number two, we never want to forget about missions. Did you, did you see something really cool up here? Where is the biggest percentage of growth in this church? 29%, 64%. Where did that come to? Somebody shout it out when you figure it out. The Bible says where your treasure is, there is your heart. I love missions. Would you pledge something this year to do something great for missions? And then lastly, this is what we need everyone to prayerfully consider. Would you make a pledge? to help this building fund knock down this number of 25000 so we don't have to make any budget cuts. So what are my wife and I going to do? I'm telling you my business so you don't think this pastor trying to get money. This is what my wife are going to do off the money we make that doesn't come from the church. Okay, I would do this if I was a part of another church, and I have been a part of churches. It's not about me. It's about what God is going to do through us, not just for us. Amen? I'm going to put, two, I'm going to put about $260 because that's what my monthly tithe is right there. For missions, I'm going to put about $100 a month. That's what my wife and I are going to give. And then to be a giver for a building fund, my wife and I are going to think of a number this week that's going to be for us to give sacrificially. And it's not just going to be something that I, oh, what do I have in the bank account? What can I live without? No, I want to dream beyond what I have. I want to look beyond what's in my hand and ask God what's in his. Because I believe his hand is bigger than my hand. Amen? I remember a teenager taking this serious a couple years ago. That's when we bought these chairs, $44.75. Guess what? A teenager gave $1,000. And we were like, what in the world? She said, I just prayed God would use me. God would use me. Amen? Thank you for your support. May God bless you and your family this year. Acts 20, 35. This is Jesus talking. Can we read it together? One, two, three. It is more blessed. That is so hard for us to say. Can we just say that again? Force a smile on your face right now. If your neighbor's not smiling, just look at him. Remember, you've got to pray for him this week, okay? So look around and see who's not smiling, because whoever's not smiling, so you've got you to pray. Oh, Lord, help him smile. Help him love to give. We're going to say it again. Acts 20, 35. One, two, three. It is more to receive. I believe it. Amen. Can I just see an offering envelope real quick, Kelly? Thank you. I just want to show you, just because it's at the beginning of the year. Those of you guys, uh, 
Whenever you fill in your name, address, we got it for the rest of the year. You don't have to do it every time. You can just put your name on there. We'll know who it is. Tithe goes right there. Offering goes there. And then you get to designate it, building or missions, and we'll figure it out from there. We also have it online at Metro Praise, and you can check it out there to use your card. Uh, let's pray today. Father, I thank you. I thank you today, Lord, that the church doesn't just run on prayers, good wishes, and smiles on Sunday that the church runs on dollars and cents and people's hard work and dedication. Quarter of a million dollars, God, is awesome. And I thank you for every person that gave, God, to support your work here. And I thank you for the churches around the world that are being blessed. And now, Lord, I ask, God, during this economy that we would not forget you, Jesus. That if this becomes a time of prosperity, as in the time of the late 90s, that we wouldn't get so consumed with buying mobile homes, lake houses, and taking vacations at Puerto Vallarta that we forget about your kingdom. Statistics came in for 2011, Lord, and said the average American only gives 2% to charity. Now, while that is double than most countries, 1%, Lord, it's so less than what we have been commanded to give. And Lord, I ask that this church will lead the way, not begrudgingly, but joyfully. And Lord, I pray the prayer that you prayed over your disciples, that as they give, as Metro Praise gives, every family here, as they give, it will be given back to them, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You will cause men to give back to them. Bless our businesses in this church. Bless our economy here in this city, our leaders. Bless our children who go to school and get educations, Lord. And bless our children's children to the third and fourth generation. You said you could do it, God, and we believe it. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and say what Paul said on the count of three about giving. He said this scripture, we're going to keep on saying it in uh, Philippians 4, 19, 1, 2, 3. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come rejoicing as you give today? Thank you so much. for Rachel today. She's just been the piano girl. Play me a song, piano man. Play me a song tonight. I'm going to talk to you guys today about our new series for the year. It is Nine Mountains of Influence. Do you know that we do nothing small in this church? It is like nine mountains. Okay, we got nine lessons to go through, and you guys are going to love every one of them, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to love it. Okay, last week we talked about Family, today we're going to talk about church. Now, what is a mountain of influence? Everybody look up here. I'm going to give you the example. What we're talking about here is a place where people look up to, okay? And there's about nine different mountains in society that everybody looks up to. 
Like on Christmas Day, what's the Pope going to say? That's like a mountain of influence, okay? Family, people look up to their family. What's mom, dad going to do? How about business? We look up to those who are making money in business, Donald Trump. Government, we look up to our leaders. Media and arts, we look up to people who are on TV, singers and so forth. Charity, we look up to those who are doing good works around the world. Education, we look up to smart people because we have to learn. Community, we look up to community leaders, people who help out, and we look up to those who are missionaries everywhere around the world. These are the mountains of influence. And what I want to talk about for these two months at the beginning of the year, January and February, is how Metro Praise can get up on top of these mountains in Jesus' name and lead this culture in community, that we'll lead in the family mountain, that other families will look up to us and say, man, I want to have a family like you. I want to raise my children like that, that churches will look up to us and go, we want to be a church like that, and so on. Businessmen, you know, as my dad was a businessman, other businessmen looked up to him, and government, that we would have Christian leaders and so on and so forth, that God would use us to be a mountain of influence. Here's the book that I'm using, Turn the World Upside Down, by Michael Maiden. We're not selling it, but you can get it at Amazon. I think it will bless you. It's a great book. Bill Johnson forwards it. It's really powerful. Today we're going to talk about the mountain of church. Would you open up your Bible to Matthew 28:18? And I want to encourage you today to stand on the mountain of church. There is room up on the top of this mountain for you to come. Don't just stand at the bottom of the mountain looking up to leaders in the church. Decide in your life today, I want to be a leader in the church. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a pastor. Do you know that some of the greatest people that have made differences in the world in the church have come from ordinary, non-religious backgrounds? Anybody ever heard of D.L. Moody? How about D.L. Moody? How about the guy who owns half of the lakefront down there? Have you ever heard of D.L. Moody? You know what he did for a living? Shoe salesman. Shoe salesman. That's what he was. Shoe salesman who got so on fire for God at his church. He would hear his pastor like, a good pastor like this, tell him, man, you guys got to go out and make a difference. You got to go out and spread the word. So you know what D.L. Moody did? He took some of the money he had from selling shoes, and he said, you know what? I'm going to start reaching the poor kids at the lakefront. Do you know at the lakefront in Chicago used to be where the poor people live? Not where all the rich people are now, but where the poor people used to be. And so D.L. Moody would get out there, and this is what he told those kids. He says, if you guys come every week for a year, I'll take attendance. I'll buy you a brand new suit at the end of the year because I want to see you come to church. Hey, he bribed them, but it worked. Amen? I wish buying a new suit would help some people fill up these chairs. I might do it. Amen? So he said to these kids, he said, hey, you guys come to church for a year, I'll buy you a suit to a poor person. That would be like buying them a brand new house or a car. It would mean everything to them. And he started to do it. But you know what? He was so shy because he wasn't a preacher. He was a shoe salesman that he would hire other preachers and tell them to come. He would say, I'll get them all together. I'll make sure they show up. I'll make sure they get transportation back and forth. But you preachers, you guys come and preach. I'm just a shoe salesman. And one day while he was there, the guy that was scheduled to preach didn't show up. Something went wrong. And then D.L. Moody was like, what do I do? I'm just a shoe salesman. I don't know how to do this. He was so intimidated, but he went up there and preached. Guess what they said? Forget those other guys, D.L. Moody. We want you. And for the next 50 years of his life, D.L. Moody became the prince of preachers, one of the greatest preachers of his time. By the end of his life, he said, it is now my goal and passion that others will be raised up to be world changers. And D.L. Moody is one of the best universities for Christians to go to in the world. And it came from what? A used 
uh, not a used car salesman. Hey, I where that came from. Shoe salesman. Guess what? You know uh, Smith Wigglesworth, maybe not as popular as D.L. Moody. He raised the dead. He, pr- he preached everywhere around the world. He started churches. He mentored people like Lester Summerall, who made great impact here in America. You know what, you know what D.L., uh, excuse me, Smith Wigglesworth was? He was a plumber. A plumber. I could keep you here all day with stories of people who have changed the world just because they said, God, here I am. Use me. Are you with me in Matthew chapter 28? If you're there, can you say I'm there? Amen. Here's what Jesus said. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make Sunday morning Christians who get really bored on updates about the year. Am I would be doing pretty good at that today, would I? Would I be doing okay? Let's try this again. Therefore, go and make... Oh, y'all got to say it like you mean it. Therefore, go and make... Thank you. Disciples of just America, Puerto Rico, and Mexico. Is that what it says? How about we'll put Poland in there, Yakshamash. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of what? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey just the cute and cuddly verses that we all like. Just teach them to obey. Love your neighbor. Don't do anybody wrong. Is that what he said? No, teaching them to obey everything. Did Jesus teach us about giving away our money and helping the poor? Yes. Did Jesus talk to us about preaching and teaching the gospel? Did Jesus talk to us about praying and fasting? Did Jesus talk to us about loving even our enemies and helping those who despitefully use us? That's what we're supposed to teach and to obey everything I have suggested to you. Like Oprah, I just got some suggestions. Did Jesus come and just make suggestions? It's just a suggestion. What do you think? Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You know, today in America, we don't like commands, do we? You know why people don't like the police officers? Because they give commands. It's not his fault you're going 75 miles an hour and a 40 mile an hour away. Like, what's wrong with you, Mr. Officer? He's like, you were speeding. No, I wasn't. He's like, I have a gun. And I sit here all day and I track idiots like you. And here's what the number. Like, we don't like authority. Like the meter maid, the parking ticket person. Ah, we hate that person. And we hate the person. And they're just, they're just like, look at the sign. The, here's the ticket. This is how you do this. But we don't like authority. We don't like, we hate authority. We don't like anybody telling us we're wrong. We don't like anybody over us. But you see, Jesus doesn't just want to come and be Dito, baby Jesus in the manger. Gucci, Gucci, goo. Jesus came to be your Lord, the master of your life. He's not, he's either the Lord of all or he's not Lord at all, baby. Listen to me. Now, some people may want to come to church and they want to try to fake it till they make it. You will still bust hell wide open open, raising your hands and acting like a Christian because there is not going to be any fake wannabe section of heaven, okay? Who are those folks over there? Those are the fake wannabes right there. My friends, there is no section for the backsliders. It is all or nothing with Jesus. 
Amen? And he's looking for a church that's all or nothing. Now, you might say to yourself, Pastor, that's really hard. I don't know if I can do it. I'm glad you're realizing that Christianity is impossible for you to do. But it's possible with God. This is not the self-help program of your life. Go join Islam if you want to pray five times a day. Don't eat pork fast during Ramadan. Then you'll get scales of justice in the end by Allah. That's a false religion of works. Or join a Catholic church that will give you a couple... Hail Marys and some rosaries to pray and some Our Father. My friends, Christianity doesn't make bad people good. It makes dead people live. Without Jesus Christ, your good works count nothing in the kingdom of God. You have to come to Jesus Christ totally empty. Say, I cannot even lift one righteous finger in your kingdom, God. Save me and use me. You are the boss. El Señor. Somebody say amen. God is looking for people that want to say, it's not my will be done, but it's your will be done. Oh, hello, somebody. Let's go to John chapter 8, verse 31, and it's supposed to say verse 32. Now, here's the good things. We've all been lukewarm probably at a time or another, or some of us have backslid. And here's the good news. All of you can slide back to Jesus today. All of you can get back on fire. All you need to do is be chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Put your life back in God's hand, and he will set you ablaze, baby. Look at your neighbor and just go, that's your flesh sizzling right now. That's your attitude sizzling right now. Well, I don't like it when he preached like that. I don't care what you like. I didn't come to preach what you like. I came to preach it as the T.I. is and get you to heaven, baby. I don't want you to split hell wide open and say it's my pastor's fault. I'm going to be right there at the pearly gates and say, I told you to put off pornography. I told you to stop sleeping with somebody you weren't married to. You better get right because you're going to get left. I'm here to help you. If you go to a doctor and go, man, I feel, I feel like got something right here. And he just kind of strokes you like this. Just stand up for me, Dito. Come on. Come on. You go to the doctor. Come on. You are handsome. Michael Jackson. Come on, baby. Just, he, oh, just put your hand right here. Oh, I got a little pain. Dito, you'll be okay. There's nothing wrong with you. You're a good guy. Now you just run along and be fine. That's not a good doctor. Just come to church. Oh, just tell me how beautiful I am, Pastor. Tell me how awesome I am. Oh, you're just so awesome. You're just so awesome, awesome, awesome. Never mind your sin. Never mind the devil's your best friend. You got him on, you know, call waiting all the time. Hello, hold on. It's the devil. But you just listen to me right now. I'm here to help you out. The doctor, the good doctor, pokes around. You feel it? You feel it? Oh, hey, we found something now. And when they do surgery, it's not called a party. The doctor doesn't come in with confetti. Mm, welcome to the party and just give you a lollipop. He has to knock you out. He has to cut you open. Hello, somebody. That's symbolic of the Holy Ghost. Inoculate you. Cut out that old stony heart on the inside and give you a new heart. Yes, you've been born a sinner, but it's time to be born again a saint. You say, Jesus loves me just the way I am. He loves you just the way you are, but loves you too much to let you stay that way. He wants to change you into who he is. Amen. I'm glad I came to preach. Has anybody come to help me this morning? You see, God wants a mountain of influence in the church again where we stop making these excuses. Where we can say what Jesus said to these guys right here. John chapter 8, verse 31. 
to the Jews that believed in him. I know so often we say, well, I believed in Jesus. Well, good for you. Now Jesus can go to bed tonight because he's more secure about himself. Guess what, angels? They believe in me now. That's a load off my shoulders. I believe I can fly. I believe I'm Jesus now because so-and-so believes in me. Well, we're so glad you believe in Jesus. Hey, he was here before you got here. He knows he exists. You believing in him is no big deal. The Bible says, hey, guess what? Even the devil believes in him. Even demons believe. So when you say, I believe, this is what Jesus has to say to you. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you hold to my teachings, then you're really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to get set free, baby. Come on, baby, it's time to get set free. Jesus came not just to make believers make believers make believe. He came to make doers disciples. He didn't just come to say, hey, you all believe in me? Okay, I'm good. For three years of his life, he had one primary focus, to make disciples. Now ask yourself this question. The king of heaven comes down to earth. He's going to redeem lost mankind, and he has one assignment on his mind. He could have picked from a thousand different methods. He could have had to sing a choir and bring people into the concert method. He could have had to do a skit and have everybody watch the movie method. But when he came for three years, from 30 to 33, what was his method to change the world? Make disciples. Peter, your brother Andrew, come follow me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. James, John, come follow me. Nathaniel, Philip, come follow me. For three years he was with them. Sometimes he rebuked them. Sometimes he called them Satan. Okay, I mean, that's pretty harsh. How many know that would be awkward, hanging out with Jesus, and all of a sudden he's like, Satan, Satanas. Wow, what's wrong with you? I mean, that's what he did. He called Satan. He called Peter Satan. Peter was like, I got an idea. You shouldn't go to the cross. Satan, listen to me. One, one time the guys, James and John, the brothers, they called them sons of thunder. They, they were upset that nobody was listening to the preaching. And then and James and John came up to Jesus and said, hey, I got an idea. They're not listening to us preach. How about we send bolts of lightning and fire and destroy this village right here? Then the other villages, they're going to want to come to church now. <laughs> Do you want to come to church? You don't want that to happen to you. He ain't playing. Jesus said to him, you don't even know what spirit you're of. He rebuked him. But guess what? In that discipleship relationship for three years, he also loved them. He also cried with them. He taught them how to pray. Remember, it was his disciples. He said, when you pray, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Pray like this. He said, our Father which are in heaven. He was teaching them all these things. And then at the end, Matthew chapter 28, now he says, guys, you go out and make new disciples. The mission is the great commission. It's what we're here to do now. And this is what he said to those Jews. Don't just say you believe. Hold on to my teachings. And then you'll know you're a doer, not just a believer, a doer, a disciple. And you'll know the truth. It will be in your heart and it will set you free. Can you say amen? I want to play you this video that I saved for the end. But I want to play it for you here because when I played it at the end, we didn't get quite a chance to have it sink in. But I want you to, uh, please give me back there, brother, today. I want you to watch this video and see if it will strike something in your heart about what we can do for discipleship. Uh, Thank you, brother.
Amen. Come on, somebody say, this is church. Amen. This is church. Thank you, my brother. We want to see more than just concerts here, more than just, you know, me preaching on Sunday. We need to see disciples be made in this church. So I want you to ask yourself this que- these questions today. Number one, are you saved? Okay. Are you saved? If you're not saved, let me help you understand what's going on here today. You are under the wrath of God, not because of just the bad things you do, but because you were born bad. You were born a sinner. You see, sometimes we think about changing our life just by changing some things like we're going to do a renovation. I'm just going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking, and I'm going to be all right. Then Jesus is going to say I'm okay. My friends, you're not a sinner because you sin. You are born a sinner, and that's why you sin. The only way you can change is in your nature. And that's where the Bible talks about being saved. And it's not of good works. Imagine yourself being in the middle of Lake Michigan. The storms are raging. It's in the middle of the night. You are in the cold. You are about ready to drown. You cannot do anything for yourself. And all of a sudden, from up above, a helicopter from the Coast Guard reaches down a hand. They pull you up and bring you into the helicopter. You're not going to go into that helicopter and go, Boy, I saved myself today. You'll take no credit for it. That's salvation. It's you saying, God, without you, I'm drowning in this world. Who I am is what is corrupt, and it offends you. The Bible says there's no righteous deeds in us. Even the most righteous among us, quote, unquote, and what we do for this world, the Bible says counts as filthy rags. Romans chapter 3 says there's no good in any one of us, not even one. So the Bible says what are we saved from? We're saved from ourselves. What does it mean to be born again? It means to be given a new nature from above. As you were born one time from your mother and father getting together on one lonely old night, maybe listening to a little R. Kelly, and out you came nine months later. Or for some of you, maybe some Al Green, praise the Lord. Okay, you were born once. Now you need to be born again. That's what it means to be saved. How is somebody saved? They cried out to Je- they cried out to the apostles in Acts two thirty eight. How are we to be saved? Repent of your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and be baptized, and you will be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. So simply, how does it work? You come and you repent before your sins, confess Jesus as Lord, and open up your heart to be filled with God's presence. It's a new person. He was in Christ as a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You were born a sinner born again a saint are you listening to me it's impossible to do that by yourself you have to have god save you amen so that's the first thing for those of you who are saved the second question do you have a evidence of your salvation i'm saved pastor well how you know you're saved have you ever checked your life is there enough evidence right now if we put you on trial and try to convict you of being a, a christian could we find enough witnesses at your trial to to testify about your salvation so if we put if we put uh, Lauren up here and said, Lauren, we are holding you uh, guilty, you know, we're finding you guilty of uh, being a Christian, and we're going to find witnesses in your life to see if they can prove that guilt, that you're really a Christian, would, would people be able to come up to Lauren and go, yeah, I know she's a Christian because she doesn't swear. She always talks about God. She invites me to church when she wants to slap a customer. She really just prays for him. You know, like, is there enough evidence against you to convict you of being a Christian? Or would somebody walk up and go, oh, no, this ain't no Christian. You should hear the way they talk. 
at the club. Oh, ain't no Christianity going on there. <laughs> Facebook, yeah, you know, ain't no Christianity going on there. OMG, blah, 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 you know, it's like sometimes it's Facebook. It's like watching people puke online. Like, ah, I'm living for the devil, and this is what I look like when I do it. Yeah. And this is how I talk when I live for the devil. And then you wonder why I don't know what's going on in some of your lives, because I blocked you. I don't want to see you live for the devil. So, you know, is there enough evidence in your life to convict you of being a Christian? Are you saved? Do you know that you're saved? Number three, after being saved, are you being trained to live like Jesus? Can you think of anybody in the Bible Jesus said, hey, man, glad we hung out Sunday. I'll see you next week. Can you think of anybody like, hey, Peter, that was fun, two hours together. We'll see you next week, buddy. Can you, can you think of a time when the disciples go, hey, man, I just come on Sundays and Wednesdays. I put a little something in the offering. I feel good about myself. No, you see, once they got saved, once they said, Jesus, we want to follow you, they got up and followed Jesus. And when Jesus went to heaven, Acts 2, 42 through 47, those apostles kept having what we call church. And here we are today. And church happens more than just in the four walls of the building. It happens in our homes and when we meet together. Amen? Amen. All right. Number three, am I currently, or excuse me, number four, am I currently in an accountable relationship with someone now? Because a lot of times people said, yeah, man, I was discipled in 1974, man. Okay, that was great in 1974. But today, are you still in an accountable relationship? Okay, I was discipled like in 1996. Okay, that's kind of getting old. I got a little gray hair, but I'm still accountable. How many are happy your pastor has a pastor? Amen. That that makes sure we don't go off into the cult region, you know. Like, hey, let's all move on to commune, guys. You ready? Like, how many are glad my pastor will say, you ain't doing that? Amen. Are you accountable to somebody? How about this, number five? Do I have growing relationships in all three cross areas of my life? Think of the cross as a way to see relationships. Number one, uh, when Jesus was on the earth, Above him was his father. You know that Jesus was a disciple of his father? Jesus says, I do nothing except my father guide me to do it. When he was there at Gethsemane before the crucifixion, he said, not my will, but your will. Who discipled Jesus? His father did. He trusted the heavenly father. Then horizontal, who did Jesus have next to him? There on the cross, he had those two thieves. And guess what he did with those thieves? He led one of them to the Lord. And Christians should have good people around them that they're influencing and that their uh, good, positive things are influencing them. And then downwards, when Jesus looked down from the cross, who was at the foot of his cross? His disciples. John, he said, John, this is now your mother, and mother, this is now your son. So ask yourself, do you have good people over you that you can trust? Do you have people around you that are bringing you in the right places? And are you making a difference? This is very important in people under you, not like you're standing over them, but in the sense where you've gone further in life, and now you can give a hand up to people. See, that's what making disciples is about, is you getting to that place in your life. Remember the mountain of influence? That's what we're talking about, is you being able to reach down and go, hey, I've been a single mom before. I felt the pressure. Let me help get up. So single mothers mentoring other mothers. Hey, husband, father, I've been a father and a husband. Hey, let me help you out. Teenagers with teenagers starting school clubs. I know what it's like to be a teenager, young adult, helping each other up so that we can continue to be a people of influence, a city on a hill, a light unto the world. Jesus called us the salt of the earth. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank you. When you look at the Bible, you see this example so clearly. Start in the Old Testament. 
Elisha was a young man. He followed Elijah. Elijah said, come follow me, and I'll teach you how to be a prophet. And so Elisha followed Elijah for many years. You know what he did? He washed Elisha's hands. He would run errands for him. He was trained and mentored by him. And then he was sent out. When Elijah went to heaven in a chariot of fire, Elisha became a great prophet on the earth and did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. How about Jesus with Peter? Isn't that obvious? Jesus walks the earth. Hey, Peter, come follow me. Then he spends three years with Peter. And then in Matthew 28, he said to them, who's one of the them? Peter. Now go out and make disciples. Timothy? Timothy was a young man. He was brought up in Derby with his mother and grandmother. Paul comes over to town, wins him to the Lord, says, Timothy, you want to follow me? I'll teach you how to be like Christ. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. And then Timothy was raised up, hence your books, First and Second Timothy, and he was left in the town of Ephesus, the pastor, the church of Ephesians. Are you all listening? This is the Bible. Now, when it comes to our church, We have a simple way of doing this. We don't want you to feel like this is the only way to do this. But this year, if Metro praises your church or you're praying about it, consider this. This is what we're here to do. And, Berta, would you just run up those books here for me, please? When my wife and I started seven years ago, we had the question on our heart, how can we make the best church, thank you, based on discipleship? Not building crowds to my personality or to the band. Not entertaining you like this, like the video was showing you. Doing big programs and Christmas things and Easter. How can we do the best church Jesus did on discipleship? And here's where we got it. Connect, mentor, send. Okay? It's not the only one. Let me just say this. Everybody say it's not the only one. Okay, this is not Kingdom Hall. Welcome to the Watchtower Jehovah Witnesses. This is not the Mormon Church. This is not Scientology. We're not a cult. We're not the only ones, okay? Now, to some people, when you get on fire, they're so cold, they think you have a fever, okay? Now, to that, we are on fire. But to Jesus, we're just normal. You ever do this when you check somebody's temperature and see if they're hot? See, when the frozen chosen puts their hand on their head, it's an ice cube. And then they touch us. Oh, y'all, sizzling. No, man, I'm just like Peter. This is called normal. Everybody say, normal. And you can, you can be more normal than me and do this, okay? You don't have to be crazy because this is my way of doing it. Here it is, connect, mentor, send. Some churches say, reach up, reach in, reach out. Other churches have different ways of formulating it. But we are a discipleship church, so what do we ask everybody to do to join the mountain of influence? Number one, connect. Plug into the cross. Get around believers in a life group every week where you share life together. The disciples, was there just one disciple? How many disciples were there? Twelve. So that means if there was something crazy going on with Peter, what would John come up and do? And just slap him upside the head. They were fighting and arguing all the time. So that's kind of normal in church, okay, to a certain extent. You argue too much, that's a problem. But you know what? We're not a perfect church, and if you're looking for one, it's not perfect anymore because you just showed up, right? So think about it. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect group of people. But what did God call us to do? to hang out with each other, and to grow with each other. That's why we say life group. Because if all you're doing is just showing up on Sunday, are you really being honest with who you are? Did I get to find out your prayer request today? Did I get to find out how you did last week on reading your Bible and praying? Have I talked to you about your children, your friends, your coworkers, your hopes, your dreams, your failures? Have I done that with you today as your pastor? Sorry, I didn't do it with every single one of you today. But guess what? In a life group, when you open up and you share life, take off the mask and make it real, 
You can do that there. Hey, man, I'm struggling with the Bible. I need some prayer. I'm praying for my family today. See, life group is where we share life together. That's how we do it. Number two, can everybody say mentor? Thank you. Mentor is where we begin to pour into your life. You see, at the 101 level, you can ask your life group leader and say, man, I want to be disciple. I want to learn about Jesus. Can I tell you the lessons in this book, how beautiful they are? Okay, it's not like your author is very handsome, okay? So I had to make it up with the content in here, okay? Here's what this book is about. Great decision, how to read your Bible, pray, and go to church. Number two, the power of the cross, overcoming your sins. Uh, Number three, overcoming the world, bad habits in your life. Number four, living by faith and how to overcome the world. Number five, baptism and communion, why that's important. Number six, getting filled with the Holy Ghost, shika, boom, boom, and power, hallelujah. And number seven, sharing your faith. How many think that's good for all of us to learn? You see, when you go through this, most people, you know how they do it because we know we're busy in life. You know what most people do? They go to church on Sunday, and then they go to their life group and meet early, and they go through this one-on-one. They share their heart, and they begin to grow. And that's how they begin to see deep roots develop in their life. And when you graduate from that, we have a 201 class that operates here on Sunday with the one purpose of taking the best of what I have learned in 16 years and from the hundreds of years experiences that I've been able to glean from mentors and ministers that I look up to. Here are the lessons you learn in the 201 book, which by the way are free online if you want to look at it. Disciples are free. Learn about being free in Christ. Anointed. Learn the anointing. Holy. How to be the holy person God's called you to be. Humble. How to walk humble before the Lord. How about this? How to have a blessed home. A balanced life. To balance all the things going on in your life. A great devotional life. How to build yourself up and pray every day. A lifestyle of giving. How to live to give and not be all awkward as it was a few moments ago. How to build the local church to actually care about what we do here because Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto you to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Does anybody want to prophesy, speak in tongues, discern spirits, and have gifts of healing? It's all talked about here. Defend the faith. Does anybody know a Jehovah Witness, a Muslim, a Mormon, an atheist, an agnostic, a Baha'i, somebody that's a different faith than Christianity? We discuss how you can defend your faith in the light of that. And then lastly, the last chapter, make other disciples. Listen to me. I'm not saying this is your Bible. Let's all become cults. I'm saying if you're a part of Metro Praise, let's get on the mountain of influence. Let's get trained up. Let's make a difference. My wife and I started a church. We said, hey, we only got so much time with them. Maybe they'll give us a Sunday and another day of the week. So that's what we did. We developed a great Sunday church, and then we developed the life group with the 101 that will meet before and after. And when you graduate that and you go into the 201, guess what it is? It's a Sunday school in the morning. We send you out to work in the ministries to lead 101s. I like to say it like this. You reach one to teach one to reach one. Everybody say reach one to teach one to reach one. That's the goal. And then you start a life group. You know that right now, uh, Jared Walker started a life group with a handful of people. And I just saw the pictures up uh, on Facebook of the life group. You know who's in that life group right now? His mom and his brother. And they never came to church. They are now coming to that life group. Is it worth your family coming to church? Is it worth your family getting a Bible study? How about your community? You know how that happened? Because they were trained and they said, we'll just start here in our home. Mom, why don't you come? Brother, why don't you come? You see, these provide a place for our lost friends and families to come to church. We start them all over the city. We can reach people that Pastor Joe and Adam can't reach. Amen? Amen. Would you stand to your feet as the band comes today? Thank you. For today, I know it was a long service I did, 
as much as I could, as fast as I could. But I hope that you appreciate today what you've heard. What you've heard. How do we reach the nations of the world? How do we make a difference in other people's lives? How do we have people look up to us and say, I want to do that? Discipleship. Discipleship. George Barna, Christian statistician, wrote a book called Growing True Disciples. Growing True Disciples by George Barna, statistician. You know, like the Gallup polls. George Barna is a Christian, though, and he, he does polling in churches. You know how many churches have discipleship programs? Out of 100%, you know how many do? 20%. Gallup, uh, Barna poll, not my, not my statistic, his statistic. Only two out of ten churches in America right now are asking their people to grow in a succinct, organized way where they can become a disciple. Two out of ten. He then began to poll the people on morality. Morality. How many in the church are having sex outside of marriage? How many in the church would approve of drunkenness? How many in the church have friends that are living in homosexual behavior or they themselves are living homosexual behavior and they approve of it? How many have had abortions? He took the main big moral issues, sex outside of marriage, homosexuality, abortion, pornography was another one. Do you know what he found? There is abs- Divorce was another one. No difference from those who come here on Sunday to those who are out at their couch watching the game or doing whatever on Sunday. Not one statistical difference between those here and those out there. No wonder everybody hates hypocrites in church. Because nobody's changing. You know why nobody's changing? Because pastors made a deal with their people. This is what pastors, because I have pastor friends. And they don't say it like this, but this is what they mean. Okay, see, my wife and I, we need a nice house and a car and a place for our family. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm going to preach to you for an hour. I'm going to tell you something good about yourself. Like, you know, you're really cool and awesome. And then you just give something up here, and you're good to go. No strings attached. Deal? A lot of churches do that. I'm just going to tell you something good. Drop in the offering. We'll get more people. And I'm good. You're good. 80% of churches... Don't ask their people to become disciples. Some of them say membership. George Barna did membership and other churches with life groups, but don't do discipleship. Other churches that don't do discipleship but do small groups become social clubs. Other churches that don't do discipleship but just simply do membership only becomes a piece of paper, a shaking of the pastor's hand, a class they went to. But now watch, watch. It gets better. Growing true disciples, get it. We teach it in Bible college. You'll love it. He then did statistics with those disciples to the non-disciples. Guess who does 80% of the work of churches? 80% of the work is done by disciples. Guess who gives the most in their churches? Disciples. Guess who are holding their families together in a culture that's going to hell in a handbasket? Disciples. Guess who's living changed lives in the church? 
disciples. He found out that the ones who commit themselves, they're not perfect. They're not saying we're, we're already perfect. Put a star next to our name. No, but the ones who learn the teachings of Jesus, who hold the teachings of Jesus, who are really disciples indeed, guess what they find out? They know the truth, and the truth sets them free. And then at the middle of his book, he says, I'm going to tell you about three or four churches from people that are 250 to people that are 10,000 in America. And he said, I'm going to tell you four, four or five stories. But before I could find churches that would help me, I sat down with a pastor. And he said, I sat down with him and I asked him, do you know of any churches that do discipleship? You know, that ask their people to learn and grow. I mean, they go to high school. They go to job training. Why not have it in church to grow? Do you know of any? You know what the pastor told me? He writes in the book. I don't even know anybody who does that. And he told George Barna, he said, I don't think you'll even find any of those churches here. And he then began to weep. He was broken, and he went back to God, and he said, God, I know there has to be churches here in America that are doing it. And he begins to write about them. Some of them have 10 lessons. We have 12. Some of them have three steps. We have three steps. Some have four base path. And he began to research them. And then he made the correlation. We have a member from our church in the morning service from the underground church in China. We support churches in India. Take me at my word and his word. That where all the growth is coming overseas, 100 million Christians right now in China in the last 100 years, 50 more like 50 years. Brazil has 70 million Christians right now. That is more than all of the cults put together. Are you all listening to me? The nations, you know what he found out they're all doing? They're all doing discipleship. And that's why he said America is slipping right now. And no one in the culture is, you don't hear it, right? You don't hear anybody in the culture go, man, I just look up to that pastor so much. Man, I really look up to that church. You know why no one in our culture is looking up to the church anymore? It's because the church is down here in their mind. The church is just like everybody else in the mud, hypocrites. I wouldn't go there if you paid me. I think it's time that we take the church out of the mud of Chicago. We take it out of being the reproach. We're not perfect people, but we can say, man, look, we're going to live for Jesus. I may not always follow his commands, but I'll tell you one thing I do when I don't. I repent, and I make it right. I won't be a hypocrite in front of you. If I did wrong, I'll repent and make it right. I'll tell you, I'm going to my church. I'm working on it. Don't judge me. You come with me, okay? We need to show people in Chicago that this can be done. In the 21st century, we can make disciples that change the world. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to do it today. Altar workers, would you come? We're going to close in prayer. And in just a moment before you go, but just stay for these last few moments because I want to pray for you. And if you came here today and you would say, Pastor, I'm not doing so well at the mountain of church. I'm kind of slipping. I'm not where I should be. Don't leave out of here until we pray for you. We're not here to judge you because you're wanting to do what's right. We want to pray for you. I'm praying now, Lord, help everyone in here to be the disciple you called them to be. Lord, take away our excuses. Take away, God, all of the things we put before you. This year, God, let it be the year we follow you and serve you with 100% to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
As you're praying right now, I'm thinking of the prodigal son who, yes, he knew better, but he did wrong. You know what the good part of the story is? He came back. In just a few moments, I'm going to ask anybody and everybody here, if you need to come back, to come. But just know that God wants you to come. He loves you. There is no condemnation telling you not to or you're so far gone or you're so far bad. That is the lie of the devil. Today, if you're not where you're supposed to be, make it right. I'm going to pray one last prayer, then we'll come. Father, I pray all prodigal sons and daughters come home this year. And that, Lord, we'll serve you with everything we have. Would you help us today? In the name of Jesus. God bless those that now need to leave, but God bless those here that are going to stay and pray that they'll serve you every day of their life. Be with our life groups. Be with our discipleship. And raise up a generation of world changers, history makers, and roof breakers, God. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. We're going to worship. If you want to pray, would you come forward and find somebody to pray with you? If not, enjoy the cafe. Join a life group. We'll see you next week. But stay up here and pray if you really want to, because we invite you to do it. Amen. God bless you today.